I'll just ask you to open the Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> and we're going to start at verse 17. Now I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. So if you can pull out your phones, please put it on the English Standard Version. Or otherwise use your Bibles. And if you don't know why, then ask one of the leadership and we'll happily explain that to you. Uh, let me just pray before we read. Dear God, we thank you that we can um, enter your house this morning and worship you. We can learn from the Bible. We can, we can hear your Bible. We can learn from the minister. We pray that you'll be with Joel as he preaches and brings your word this morning and we pray that you'll open our hearts to receive the message. In your name we pray. Amen. <coughs> so this is titled The New Life. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given them themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another, one of another, sorry. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give, you, give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corruption come, not, sorry, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits, on the as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here ends the reading. Are we on? There we go. Morning, everyone. How you all doing? We good? Holidays, Easter, we're back. Good to see you all here. I'm going to invite Simo quickly. Simo, do you want to quickly come and make your announcement? Um, hello, everyone. I am part of the Young Adults. We are just announcing that Generate is on next week. It is aimed at Young, and young Adults, but everyone is welcome. I'm a parent. Parents are welcome. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, come on down. It's, it's, it'll be a fun event, 5 o'clock next Sunday. And all the men in the church, 
hungry three, four, maybe three Sundays time, fifth of third. May, third, third, third of May. Um, we're going to be doing a men's breakfast. The young adults will be putting on breakfast for all the men in the church. So lock that away. Woo, woo. Awesome. And also for youth guys, youth starts this Friday. We have small groups on. So see you there. And if you still want to come to State Youth Games, you need to get your forms to me today or tomorrow. Um, and I have a little test for our youth guys. All right. So like this corner, there's a few around. All right. Term one. One of my talks. This is, I'm really nervous about this, to be honest. But I have faith in you. Wicked. What does it mean? Huh? Wick, yes. Hmm? <laughs> Evil. We're getting there. Close. Twisted. Yes. Thank you. That's my brother. Come on. All right. So we had the we talked about at youth that wicked is not just cool, but it's actually twisted. That um, as humans, that's our journey. That we started, we were created to be like God, created in His likeness, perfect without sin. But then we were twisted by our sin, and our, we've been corrupted, and we're sinful. We're broken humans. That's who we are now. Um, but as we remember last week, Jesus came. And he died on the cross for our sin. And in some ways, the twistedness is defeated. However, I don't know about you, but in my life, I know I'm still a bit twisted. I'm a bit wicked and not in the cool way. All right? And so I've gone, we go on this journey up until Jesus comes again, when we're in heaven, in perfection again. We're on this journey of sort of untwisting. That God is continually shaping us and molding us and untwisting us, making us more like Him again. And so, this morning as we jump back into Ephesians, that's really what we want to look at a bit, that you know, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, wasn't just so that we can receive forgiveness, but it was so that we could have new life. Not just in heaven, but here now also. That's the gospel. That's the good news, that we can live with God now and forever because He has forgiven us by the cross. All right, so that's what we want to look at. We're going to look at quickly. Um, so I want you to ask yourself this question. In the last year, have you become more like Christ? The last year. Have I ask myself, ask yourself, have we become more like Christ? What about the last six months? What about the last six weeks? The last six days? Have I, have I become more like Christ? Have I become more like who God wants me to be? If you're anything like me, I go, how, how do we even measure that? How do, we, how do I tell? And I think one of the reasons that we're in community is so that we can tell, you know, you never know if you've grown yourself. You know, I went away for last year. We went to schoolies in Uganda and went for three weeks. And if you had asked my brother, um, did he get taller in three weeks? Has he grown? 
He'd probably be like, huh, what? I got back in three weeks and I was like, oh no. Life as I know it has forever changed. My little brother is taller than me. He didn't know, like, he couldn't tell if he had grown or not, but I could see it. Does that make sense? So we see each other's growth. That's part of being community. And that we see, we can tell other people, and that's encouragement. That's how we build each other up. And we'll talk a bit more about that as we go. Um, so I have one story, maybe two, we'll see how we go. One story of a transformation where I saw someone sort of before my eyes just change and become more like Christ over the course of a year. Um, and part of it was sort of instant, instantaneous. So a few years ago, I did a course at Bible College. It was a gap year thing for young people. It was called Year in the Sun. And um, basically, there was 40 of us, about 18 to 22, and we explored four days a week. We met together, and it was all about exploring faith. Um, right on O-Camp, I got, you know, I got sucked in a little bit where one guy was like, I need a lift every day. I need a carpool or something. I can't drive. The buses, you know, they take too long and all this stuff. It just so happened that, and so I sort of just sat there quietly, like not saying anything. I kind of like my car time. I like to belt out my songs. Um, come on, like who doesn't? Yeah, don't look at me like I'm weird. Uh, all right. So, I, you know, I like my car time. I sort of think. I have conversations with myself. It's great. Um, <laughs> I won't go into that. I had a funny... Yes, okay, I'll tell it quickly. Yesterday, or Friday night, I was driving somewhere, and I had to give a talk on Friday morning. And um, so I was, like, rehearsing in my head what I'm going to say or whatever. And all of a sudden, I just went into... This is really bad, but I went into, like, autopilot, and I started driving. I just went the wrong way. Like, I was driving straight to Rapture, where we usually go, but I had to go straight and turn left instead. I wasn't about five minutes down the road, and I'm like, I'm not going where I'm supposed to go. So I had to track back and call people. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a bit late. Um, very embarrassing. Um, but where was I? I like my car time, okay? Like my car time. And then there's this one guy who's like, I need a lift. And um, so I'm waiting to see who's going to offer, who's going to. No one. Uh, I, and it, found it turned out I was the only one that sort of even closely went near where he lived. And so I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So every morning, every afternoon, pick him up. And I guess you need to understand a little bit about this guy first as well. He was cold, angry 18-year-old, like no purpose in life, didn't want to talk a whole lot, was really quiet and just very strange. He was doing this Christian course, but he's like, I'm not a Christian. I'm like, why are you doing this? It's like, oh, my brother did it, and I didn't know what else to do, and the only way to get my parents off my back was to do something. So I'm like, okay. Um, so in the morning, I'd pick him up and be like, oh, man, how was your weekend? He's like, yeah, it was all right. And I'm like, what did you do? Not much. Um, dad just, when he's going on about his dad, he's like, I hated his dad. And I'm like, okay, our next topic. Um, and as you pick someone up every morning, you know, the topics run out pretty quickly. And I'm not great at creating conversation. And it is. And it was just, it's just a struggle. On the after and then the afternoons, okay, we've got a bit to talk about. We've spent the whole day together in lectures and stuff. And what do you think about lecture? I fell asleep. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Uh, thank God for Hamish and Andy. That's all I'm going to say. They saved us every afternoon. Um, 
So this is Kyle Young. About three months in, we were at Soul Survivor. It's about about this time a year, five years ago. And um, at that time, he he gave his life to God, and it was the single most amazing thing I've like ever seen. Like like that, he changed. Like that night, he was running around like to all of our um, youth community. Had this smile on. He had this joy. He was hugging people. I'm like, you hug people like, you know, you like just the instantaneous change. And I'm like, oh, we'll see how he goes. You know, I didn't get too excited. Like I was excited, but like, see how he goes as I pick him up Monday morning. And it was the same sort of thing. He was back a little bit. I mean, he's a little bit better. And we went on this journey for the next seven months of just seeing him, like I said, continually untwist, just become more of who God went to me, and, and then at the end, towards the end of the year, he got baptized, and it was the coolest thing to see him give his testimony, and that symbol of being raised to new life, like, it was so true for him, and I, and I saw it happen, and I, at the end of the year, I just remember, we're at our end of year camp, and I just stood there, and I was just like, God, like, you're awesome. See, God, does, God is in the business of changing people's lives, but some, and he has the power to do it in an instant, and he has the power to do it in a journey. And if you're anything like me, mine's a journey. Like, I grew up in church. I can't point to a direct point of conversion. But over the last few years especially, I've seen God sort of continually grow me in a process. And it's the journey. The, and in many ways, the journey is more important than the destination. It's about growing closer to God as we are transformed. And C.S. Lewis has this quote that, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different. And that's how I look at my life. You know, day by day, oh, it's nothing new. But when I look back, I go, wow, look where God's taken me. Look how God's grown me and he's transformed me. So that's what we want to look at this morning, that that Easter is not just about the forgiveness of our sins. You know, what we celebrated last week is not the forgiveness of our sins. That's a big part of it. But it's the forgiveness of our sins so that we are made right with God, so that we can live with God. And we can live with God, not just in heaven, but on earth, as His Holy Spirit now lives in us, which is only possible because He's forgiven us. Because we, our, we are seen as clean, because our sins are defeated, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Holy Spirit's main role is to make us more like Christ. That's the main thing we get taught throughout the New Testament, that the main role of the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Christ. And so, if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians 4, where we read, we're going to focus in on verse 22 to 24, where it says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So our new, we're called to put off the old self, put on the new self. All right, that's the, the main gist of really this section that we read. Put off the old self, put on the new. And our new self is created to be like God. Here's a little thing. That is not something we do. I don't know about you, if you've ever tried to create something to be like God. If 
you want to experiment with it, go ahead. My hypothesis, it won't work out well. We can't create things to be like God. Only God can do that, yeah? Yes? Yes, it's good. All right. So God creates our new self. God creates who we're going to be, and we're called to put it on. So we still have a responsibility. We still have something that God calls us to do. It's to put it on, but we need to realize that God's the one that transforms us. Because I think too often we try and do it on ourselves. So we do it through the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to, I don't have time to go through all these um, these references, but in John 16, it talks about the, uh, the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? John 16 uh, it talks about how the Holy Spirit reveals truth. It talks about the advocate being the guide that will lead you into all truth. Um, the one that will convict, uh, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and leads us to Christ. Um, 1, Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, it talks about how the Holy Spirit reveals the mysteries of God and the things that God has said the Holy Spirit helps us to understand. So we understand that the Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word, that that's how we can understand it. Um, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit bears fruit in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I may have missed one. Whoops. Um, but the Holy Spirit bears fruit in our lives. So it's not us that bear the fruit, but Holy Spirit bears fruit. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 says, you know, there's things like the gifts of prophecy and healing, words of knowledge, um, all this stuff. And he said that they're for the edifying, for the building up of the church. That those gifts are from the Spirit to build us up, to make us, to help us on our journey of becoming more like Christ. See, what's the goal of our, you know, verse 24, to put on the new self, Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Have you thought about that? That our new self that we can step into, that we're called to step into, that we're on a journey of becoming day by day, that the new self is one that is created to be like God. Not to be God, you know, that was the sin of Genesis, yeah, that People wanted to be God. They wanted to make their own decisions. They were independent. They wanted to be in control. Like, that's sin. So we're not created to be God, but created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ever thought about that? That God is transforming me to be more righteous and to be more holy. I kind of like the sound of that. That, that God wants to transform me to be more holy and righteous, to be like Christ. You know, I think too often we settle. Too often we're complacent and we just are happy with who we are. But, for, you know, one of the things I've been really challenged with over the last couple of weeks is that I'm, I'm not going to stop at decent Joel. I'm not going to stop at Joel's a nice person. I'm not going to stop at you know, Joel that goes three steps forward, but then he takes <laughs> two steps back. You know, I'm going to stop at just Joel that's, you know, says some right things, but can't live it out. Now, I've been created to be like God and to be holy, and I'm not going to settle 
for less. Now, I'm not going to take it into my own control because I know that I've tried to do it and it doesn't work. But I'm going to rely on God's power and I'm going to step into God's power to do so. It's like Jesus said. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, often we read that and we go, oh, Jesus just exaggerating to make a point. You know, that's a great persuasive technique for those of you doing BC English, yeah? Persuasive technique, hyperbole. There it is. He's exaggerating to make a point. But the more I think about it, like the more I read the New Testament, I think, you know what? Maybe that's actually the goal. You know, one day we're going to be perfect in heaven. We're going to be glorified and made perfect, completely holy. That is the end goal. And so I'm going to actually, we're actually going to live it out here. We might not get there. And you know what? I think our sinful, you know, my issues of sin are so deep that I don't think I'll ever get there. But I'm going to continue to walk the journey with God as he continues to transform me and untwist me and make me holy and righteous. Here's the thing, that transformation is God's work, but I think in many ways it comes back to our responsibility. God doesn't transform us if we continue living in sin. God doesn't transform us if we continue sitting around not doing much. But God transforms us as we step into the new life as we step into a relationship with him and keep walking with him. You know, that's the language here. Put on the new self. In Romans 12, it's renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Later in Galatians 5, it talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. That we are called to walk with God, and as we walk with God, God transforms us. But here's the thing. Often we treat transformation discipleship, following Jesus, however, whatever sort of language you want to put around it, we treat it as a bunch of don'ts. There's a general perception of the world that Christianity is all about rules. And it's often sort of subtly how we portray it even in the church. That we say to our kids, we say to each other, we say to our youth, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, you definitely don't do that. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And, that's a, and then we say, read your Bible and pray and come to church. That's gen, like often that's what we begin to teach. And that's not bad, but it's not all, I think. You know, 2 Timothy 2.22 says, um, Flee from the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So, Following Jesus, stepping into new life is actually a journey of, okay, don't do this, fleeing this, but do this and pursue this. And that if we only have one or the other, we miss the point. See, I think the Bible has a lot more do's than don'ts. That becoming holy, becoming like Christ is... It's not about avoiding the don'ts, but it's about doing the do's. Let me say that again. Becoming holy is not about avoiding the don'ts, it's about doing the do's. And it totally changes the way we begin to think about things. And what the cool thing about Paul in Ephesians is that he goes through some great examples of what that looks like. 
and I think they're just as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. So we're going to race through them. All right. Um, many of these as well, um, Craig Rochelle talks about them. We watched them with our young adults in a series called Unnecessary Sins. It's available online. You go to lifechurch.tv, and there's four sermons, and they talk about, and he pretty much picks on these. And so a little bit what I say is from that, um, just so that you realize I'm not that smart. All right, so first one, verse 25, um, he talks about put off the lies and put on truth. See, we live in an age where, and a culture where lying is just, it's just what you do. There's nothing wrong with a little white lie, it doesn't hurt anyone. You know, like I said, we watch these with our life groups, and um, so watching it on Monday night, Tuesday night I was working at Officeworks, but I couldn't work. I had something on. Tried to organize a swap, tried to get someone to cover it, nothing happened. So the guy's like, oh, don't worry, just call in sick. So I was there on Monday night. I should have known this was coming, but we're watching the session on lying. All right? And now I'm just like, I was in this dilemma. I'm like, I can't work, I can't lie. What do I do? <laughs> and then, you know, obviously you tell the truth. But like, it was so hard. It was such a wrestle to be able to call up and be like, uh, I can't work. And like, why? Uh, I've got to do something for church. And like, it's like, it's something, you're like, oh yeah, fine, no worries. But there's this something that I knew that they were disappointed. I knew that they would look down upon me. And I knew that it was like another strike against my name. Yeah, I wanted to do everything in my power to control that and to be like, uh, I'm just sick. You know, that's a bit more acceptable. So, we lie. Like, why do we lie? I think often it's because we want to take control. We don't want people to look down upon us. We want to make ourselves look better. And essentially, it's, it's fear. I think a lot of the times. Can you imagine if we spoke the truth in every situation? Like, every situation, we just said what's true. It's, like, that's countercultural. We talk about being countercultural, we talk about being different, set apart in the world. Like, that's it. And it seems like such a little thing, but I think it's actually a really big thing. You know, that truth brings depth in relationships. You know, people know who you really are. It brings a freedom because you're not having to cover up all of our lies and all that sort of stuff. So put off our lies and put on truth. Here's the thing. Everything I'm going to say is going to be true. That's what I. That's all we tried to commit to. I lasted like a week. Everything I'm going to say is going to be true. However, the second one is um, put off dragging down and put on building up. Now that's in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others. And this is what the Craig O'Shea line is. Um, not everything that's true needs to be said. So everything I say is going to be true, but not everything that's true needs to be said. I think that's really helpful. That, and I think it's really challenging, especially in our culture, that we, we're so quick to gossip, we're so qu- quick just to bag people out, just have a laugh, have a gag, all that sort of stuff. But instead of dragging people down, I'm going to focus on building people up, encouraging, confronting um, confronting in a loving way, speaking the truth when it needs to be said, but really my focus is on building people up. 
Now think about this. The people in your life, in your context, wherever that is, do your words actually build them up? When they speak to you, do they walk away sort of a better version of themselves? Do they walk, around, walk away a bit bigger because your words build them up? I think that's a really challenging thought. I know in schools, like I know in high school, like my friends definitely weren't built up sometimes because it's just easy to have fun and bag, bag each other out. We all did it. It wasn't too bad. But really, they weren't built up and there wasn't, a depth in relationship, so much so that five years later, I don't speak to any of them. Because we just, instead of having real relationships and instead of speaking the truth and building each other up, we just had fun. And fun in the name of bagging each other out. And it doesn't actually get us anywhere. So, we're going to build each other up. Third one, putting off sinning in anger and then putting on forgiveness. Um, so, this is Verse 26, but also the end of the chapter in verse um, 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. Be kind and compassionate and forgiving one another. Now, the general idea is that, you know, anger is not wrong, but I think anger is a springboard to sin. You know, that when you're angry, you quickly, you can fall into sin very quickly. So the focus is actually on forgiveness. That, you know, imagine if our community, if our families, marriages, friendships, workplaces, all that sort of stuff, that as Christians, we were known for forgiveness. That if someone made a mistake, we go, you know what, it's not okay, but I forgive you. You know, what, what if that's what we were known for? Which we should be, yeah? Like we know the ultimate forgiver and the ultimate forgiveness, and we know that we're broken, we know that we're twisted, and we know that God's got all of us on a journey of untwisting us. And so... We're going to just forgive each other. We're not going to hold on to grudges. We know that people are going to make mistakes, but we're going to forgive them and put on the new self. The last one he mentions in verse 28, it says, put off stealing and put on sharing. Now, I'm guessing, you know, we talked about lying, ang- sitting in anger, you know, unwholesome talk. That's probably a bit, com- a bit more common in our lives, you know. Usually stealing is a bit more, you know, it's not really heard of. Until we mention things like pirated movies, downloading music, TV series illegally, and all the youth are like looking down. No, I'm joking. I'm not, not going to guilt trip everyone about that. But there's this sense that really, you know, stealing is keeping things for ourselves. You know, the, the idea here is that I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to keep things for myself. Instead... I'm going to work, and I'm going to be share with the needy. That, that's where the passage goes. That's where the verse goes. Not keeping things for myself, but sharing with the needy. Meaning, you know, I'm going to have to work. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to sacrifice a little bit. Not keep things for myself, but work so that I can share. So very practical things that Paul goes through. And here's the thing. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine a truth-speaking, encouraging, forgiving, sharing community? Like that stands out in the world. They sound like little things, you know, telling the truth instead of telling it. Like it sounds like little things, but imagine, imagine here, us at One Hope. Imagine if everything we said was true, 
for not everything that was true was said, that we forgave each other when we made mistakes, that we shared with each other everything that we had. Like that's a community I want to be a part of. But not only that, that's a light to the world. So put off the old self and put on the new. And we just want to I just want to finish quickly by talking about this. You know, it goes on to say in verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So we talked about how the cross, the forgiveness wasn't just for forgiveness, but it was for a relationship so that we can live with God now and forever. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a seal for our redemption. So if we see the Holy Spirit working in our lives or in someone else's life, that is a sign, that is a seal that they are redeemed. You know, a seal is a mark of ownership. It's something that we can go, okay, because the Holy Spirit is working in my life, that's a seal, that's a mark that I'm owned by God. That our redemption is secure. See, redemption is not based on our transformation, but transformation is a result of our redemption. So my redemption is not based on how good I continue to live out this life. You know, if I can truly be transformed, if I do all these things, then I get my spot as get myself a spot in heaven. No, our redemption is not based on our transformation, but our transformation is a result of our redemption. That if we are redeemed, if we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us and begins to work. You know, in 2, 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, that if you believe in Christ, the new creation has come. Not that it will come, not that it might come, but it has come. So what does it mean to not grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, I went on Google, I'm like, what does grieve mean? First thing that comes up, to cause sorrow. And I think that's a nice, cool way to put it, that do not cause the Holy Spirit sorrow. And the Holy Spirit's a person. It's, it's, it's God. We probably should talk about it, I don't know, as a, as a he or a she. And the Holy Spirit is working in us to make us more like Christ. You know, someone that inside of us, you know, urging us to make become more like Christ, you know, pushing us on, prompting us to do this, leading us to do that, guiding us to do this, be- bearing this fruit in us, giving us these gifts. Because He wants us to become more like Christ. Yet, when we continue in our old self, when we continue in our sin, we cause great sorrow. We grieve the Holy Spirit because we're not putting off the old self and not and putting on the new. We grieve the Holy Spirit as we continue in our old self, in our sins, in our apathy, in our laziness and complacency. See, last week, you know, Easter, we were reminded of the price of our sin. We, you know, we look around our world and we can see the suffering that sin causes in its destructive ways. 
and yet we continue to sort of live in it. We continue to live in our old self, whatever that looks like. And God's calling us to put off the old and put on the new. So prayer is this, that that we would let God's power transform us as we continue to walk with Him, to keep in step with the Spirit, to draw close to His presence, that we would put on the new self. The Holy Spirit is working something great in all of our lives wanting to make us more and more like Christ, more and more holy and righteous. And that we would get on the we would sort of get on board with the journey. We're gonna ask our music team to come up and um we're gonna sing a song. I love this song and I, I think it's um it's really on my heart that we'd sing this that we would ask God to purify us, to make us holy, to cleanse us from our sin, to, to refine us. This is not just a one-off thing. It's not like we became a Christian and all my sin was gone. Like, in a status way, yes, it is gone. God sees you as clean, but in a reality way, we need to continue to put it off. We need to continue to be purified and refined and cleansed. So as we sing this, I pray that we would make it our prayer, that God would purify us and refine us and continue to do so as we go on a journey with Him. Purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart, let me be as gold, pure gold, refine as My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you. Ready to do your will. Purify my heart, cleanse me from within, and make me holy. Purify my heart, cleanse me from my sin. 
to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Awesome. So that is our prayer, that God would continue to purify us, refine us to be the community and the church that He has called us to be. Truth-speaking, encouraging, forgiving, and sharing. That as He does that, we would shine so bright in the world that His name would be glorified and more people would come to know Him. For His glory, for His kingdom. Amen? Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything this morning, if you're struggling with sin, if you need to put off something in your old self, or even if you just ask, if you want to ask God, like, what is it you want me to do? Like, what is the new self? What is, what are you calling me to do? We'd love to pray with you. We'll have our prayer team up on the sides here. Uh, we'd love to chat and pray with you. If you have any questions or anything, please speak to me and I'd love to chat. Um, if not, have a great day. Stay for some coffee and some food and um, have a great week as God continues to transform all of us. Uh, thank you.